It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God, regardless of where they are in the journey. So they ask for more faith. Many people pray for it. Other people say, if I come to church, maybe I'll just serendipitously get it. However, the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us. So our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. soldiers but we got enough the Bible says that where two or three are gathered there the Lord will be in the midst of them and there's certainly more than two or three people here I didn't wear my combat boots today but I got my combat boots on there's a fire that exists in every single one of us that goes beyond our personality, that goes beyond who we are. It's the power of God. And we may not be able to do a whole lot on our own, but with the power of God, a lot can be achieved. Do you believe that? I want to pray for us because I got some heavy stuff to talk about today. And I see hunger amongst us. I see fight amongst us. I see strength among us, endurance among us, faith among us. And it's important that we call upon our God for help. So let's do that together. If you want to stand, if you're able, feel free. If not, that's all right. But let's purpose in our hearts to call on the name of our God, Yahweh, to be everything that we need in this moment. Father in heaven, we call on you now. And we say that despite everything that may be going on in our lives, we trust you. We're here in this room online because we trust you. And we need you, God. 
Father, we're so thankful that you know everything. So even in the midst of tears, raised hands, claps, dances, moans, and groans, Lord, you know exactly what we're trying to say. You know exactly what we're crying out for, and it's ultimately your help. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for your help in this moment. Help to do the things that you've called us to do, the things that we don't feel adequate to do, the things that we don't feel equipped to do. We're asking you, God, to help us. Help us to seek your face early in the morning, late at night, all throughout the day. Remind us that you're with us every single second of our existence. Lord, help our unbelief. We believe, but help our unbelief. Father, I declare the peace of God over your people in Jesus' name, and we thank you for it. And all who agree and believe, amen. Let's say it together, amen. Good, uh, wow, thank you all. It's a blessing to be in a place where people can truly usher in the presence of God and be sensitive to the Spirit. So we thank God for the gifts that we've been given in our praise team, in uh, our leaders, our pastor. Hey, Pastor Kerry, we miss you, we love you. All of the saints in New Jersey, we love you, we miss you. Uh, Y'all, I wanna issue a trigger warning I am going to be addressing something that isn't often talked about in church, and it may trigger some things for us. Uh, some of you may want your children to be excused. I promise I'm gonna be as family friendly as possible, but I'm gonna be addressing sexual assault today. Uh, an issue, a topic that should be addressed a little bit more in churches, in my opinion. Since there is so much sexual assault that happens in our world and in our churches. And y'all, this is kind of a trigger warning even for me, as I too have been a victim of sexual assault. And every 68 seconds, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but every 68 seconds an American is sexually assaulted. Every nine minutes, one of those Americans is a child. And only 25 out of 1,000 assailants are ever imprisoned. So needless to say, we got an issue. We got an issue. And this is nothing new, it's not uh, anything that should really be a surprise to us. But we don't talk about it a lot. And there are a lot of people who struggle with this. Some who have been assaulted as children, some adults, some adolescents, some elderly, who never get help. And some of us come into churches or religious spaces seeking help Sometimes we find it, but oftentimes we don't. So I wanna help us 
as I've been helped. I want to help us as the body of Christ. So this is, this is for those of you who have been assaulted before, but this is also for those of you who have not. For those who may be assisting those who've been assaulted. For those who may be ministering to those who've been assaulted or evangelizing those who've been assaulted. Because how many know that Jesus is for everybody? I mean, he is for everybody. And we all come with our own baggage, our own history, our own past. So it's important for us to talk about these things. And this month, you're going to be hearing a lot of us talk about freedom, redemption. And it's a beautiful thing because that redemption was paid for and achieved by Jesus Christ for every single person in the world. Past, present, future. So it's important that we talk about the freedom that we have in Christ. Because many of those who've been assaulted don't really feel free. Many of us are walking around in these bodies that have been taken advantage of, and we don't know what to do. A lot of things are happening, and some of them we don't even understand are really related to the abuse that we've experienced. Some things we can kind of point back to it and say, oh yeah, that makes sense. But oftentimes we're not really being helped. So I want to help us. One of the main things that helps folks, y'all, is knowing that they're not alone. Knowing that they're not alone. So for those of us who have been assaulted, I want us to, to turn our attention to 2 Samuel chapter 13. And we're going to read a little bit about a young lady in the Bible who was sexually assaulted. And while you're turning there, I do want to just kind of help us define our terms, right? So for those who don't know, the term sexual assault usually refers to any sexual contact or behavior that occurs without explicit consent of the victim. And sometimes there's force involved, but the force is not always physical, and I want us to be reminded of that. Sometimes it's psychological, sometimes it's emotional, sometimes it's simple manipulation of someone who may be younger or weaker in mind or in ability. Those who have disabilities and those who don't are also sexually assaulted. So nobody's exempt. All ages, genders, religious backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, everybody's included. There's no group that is untouched by what I'll call SA. That's what the young folks call it now. And it kind of takes a little bit of the bite off, right? We'll just call it SA, but it means sexual assault, okay? So let me set the stage for y'all a little bit. So in 2 Samuel 13, David, King David's son, Amnon, becomes obsessed with his sister. Now, she's his half-sister, but his sister nonetheless. They have the same father, different mothers, and her name is Tamar. Tamar is beautiful. The Bible describes her as just this beautiful young lady, and she's a virgin. And so in biblical times, most likely she was a, an adolescent she was most likely a teenager, but she was gorgeous, and she had one full brother, Absalom. And so Amnon, half-brother, becomes enamored with her, obsessed with her even, and really just desires her. 
So his cousin slash friend comes up with this plan and he's like, well, if you want her, you can pretty much have her. They craft this whole plan for him to act like, for Amnon to act like he's sick and then to request that Tamar make him some food, bring it to him and feed him, right? So we pick up and we'll pick up in verse 11. I'm reading the, the New International Version. So what you have may read a little bit differently. Y'all, excuse me, the praise team had me all messed up. So I'm sniffling, trying to keep my snot in my nose. So, you know, y'all help me. Y'all just be patient with me. I'm trying to help y'all so y'all don't have to see the drip. Okay? Appreciate you. All right. <laughs> so in verse 11, Tamar's already prepared the food. She's come in. She's going to feed it to her brother in his bedroom, his private chambers. And, excuse me, y'all. It says in verse 11, but when she took it to him to eat the food, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. Now, mind you, no one else is in the room. He sent all of his servants away. Because when she first came in to feed him, he was acting like he didn't want to eat that whole thing. He sent everybody out. Nobody's in the room but he and her. So he says to her, come to bed with me, my sister. No, my brother, she said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. Cold-blooded, y'all. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you've already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. She was wearing an ornate robe, for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went away, weeping loud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, has that Amnon, your brother, been with you? Be quiet for now, my sister. He is your brother. Don't take this thing to heart. And Tamar lived in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. When King David heard of all this, he was furious. And Absalom never said a word to Amnon, either good or bad. He hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. Y'all, this is a heavy story. Very heavy. Can you imagine being a young girl, having your innocence taken from you? And then your brother tells you to keep quiet. Your father, when he finds out, he's furious, but does nothing. That's the story of many of us here. It's the story of many around the world. 
and it's not new. But what do we do about it, y'all? How do we, the people of God, and these were people of God, royalty, the king's family. So nobody's exempt. Doesn't just happen in poor communities. Doesn't just happen in wealthy communities. Happens all over. And here we have this young girl in distress, even willing to marry her brother. She's like, wait, don't do it. I'll just go to the king, I'll marry you. We can at least make it right. He refused. And then nobody is left to care for Tamar. She lives a desolate lifestyle, which means that she didn't get married. She wasn't able to have children. She pretty much lived with shame and was tucked away, hidden from society so as to not disgrace the family, things of that sort. And there are so many people who are living from day to day. Maybe they're not living in isolation from families and community and things of that sort, but they're separated internally. Doesn't feel right. Even when they go into public places, places where they should be able to find solace, comfort, all those types of things, it's still hard to be comfortable. There are a lot of things that happen when it comes to sexual assault essay. Sometimes there's a cost financially. In America, it costs over $120,000 to deal with a rape. You got health care, sometimes lost wages, things of that sort. And over a lifetime, some who have been victims of rape essay, different things, lose over $240,000 in income throughout their lifetime. So sometimes there are costs that we don't even think about, not to mention the costs mentally. Most victims of SA struggle with their mental health. They deal with distress. 89% of people, women specifically, who have been victims of SA, struggle with some level of post-traumatic stress or emotional distress. It affects their work performance, their relationships with people, all kinds of things, y'all. And women are not the only ones struggling with this. Men, too, have been victims of SA. So nobody is exempt. And while there are a lot of statistics about who's abused, who does the abusing, all of these things, there aren't many statistics about those who seek treatment after. But many times, when people go to people for help, they're not believed. And sometimes they're believed, but nothing is done. They don't get into therapy. Nobody's confronting the person who did it. None of that stuff. And the majority of cases of SA happen at the hand of someone that the victim knows. Almost 60% of the time, the victim knows the person who's abusing them. And about 34% of the time, that person is a relative. It's a tight issue. Very, very tight. But there's hope, y'all. 
there's hope. There are a lot of effects of trauma that happen when it comes down to SA. But y'all, I want to remind you that God sees you and he knows what happened. Proverbs 15 and three says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding both the evil and the good. Now for some of us, we don't really like to hear that, right? Because if God knew what happened, why didn't he do anything to stop it? We have so many unanswered questions. It doesn't make sense. How could God be good and allow this to happen to children? How can God be good and allow this to happen at all? And y'all, I don't have a specific answer, but I do have one reason why. It's the sin of man. It's the fall of man. When man initially disobeyed God that first time in the Garden of Eden, ate the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat, sin at that point entered the world and it takes on many forms. Now Jesus is definitely gonna come back, make it right, all of that stuff. But for now, we're dealing with the effects of the flesh. And we all have to deal with it in some way. But please know, child of God, the Lord will still take care of you. He has not forsaken you. You might think that in your mind because it's so hard, it's so heavy, but God has not forsaken you. And he's a just God. So even though you may not see justice served here on earth, he is a just God and every man must answer for what they've done. But as for you, the believer, there's so much hope in Jesus. And he's offered you freedom. Doesn't seem like it when you're struggling, but he's offered you freedom. We all know John 3.16, even those of us who weren't raised in church or anything, we can pretty much quote it verbatim. For God so loved the world, everybody, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, don't matter who you are, whoever, believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That life is something that we can take advantage of because Jesus died for us. And there are certain benefits that come along with being a child of God. Freedom is one of them. We are no longer bound to sin, even sins that have been committed against us. We don't have to suffer long. We don't have to suffer forever because we have Jesus. And I know it don't seem like it, y'all, but we do. And I wanna bring your attention just really quick to Colossians 1, 13 and 14, where it just tells us that Jesus, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. If we have redemption because of his blood, that frees us to take advantage of all the things that God said he'll do for his kids. All the things. He said he'd be a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, one. And he meant it. He will be a very present help in trouble. 
And we must remember that. We must. Doesn't matter whether it's essay or anything else. God is our very present help and you can call on him. Here's what the enemy did to me, y'all. Victim of essay came along with a whole lot of other stuff that I wasn't really thinking about. Sexual immorality, depression, suicidal ideations, came with a whole lot of stuff that I didn't bargain for. And it happened to me when I was four years old. That's when it started. So as a kid processing through these types of things, I never told anybody. My parents didn't even know until I was in my early 20s. And this is what happens with a lot of children. Sometimes they don't say anything, especially if it happens at the hand of someone that they know, whether it be a family member or someone who's close to them. They don't say anything because they don't really know, like, am I going to be believed? Am I going to break up the family? Same thing happened with Tamar. Her brother told her to keep silent because Amnon was her brother. So what are we doing in our households? Are we silencing our children? And in many cases, we are, and we don't even know it. I was taught about inappropriate touch and things like that. But I thought it would be forceful, and it wasn't forceful for me, so I didn't really, I knew it was wrong, but I really didn't know, like, should I say something, should I not? I was four. A lot of kids struggle to make adult decisions when certain things are inflicted on them, and they don't know if they're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. And sometimes they don't even have people who they can really trust in their lives to tell. So what do we do? If you don't know that someone is being assaulted, how do you approach it? And there are several different ways. Simply ask. Sometimes it's so little. It's just a question. Did anybody touch you? Anybody, keep open, broad, right? Because sometimes if you get a little too specific, it might not be a boy who touched a girl. It may not be a girl who touched a boy. It may not be a man who touched a woman. Y'all get my drift. So sometimes you got to keep it open. But sometimes that's all it takes is simply asking a question to address it. And y'all, even if you don't know what to do, I know y'all know how to pray. I know y'all know how to do that. Communication with God. If you can speak at all to anyone, you can speak to God. And one of the most beautiful things about God, remember how I said that he knows everything? He already knows that it happened. But here's what Satan did to me. I'm going to go back to it. He made me think I couldn't talk to God about the effects of my trauma. He made me feel like when sin entered the picture in my life and it wasn't inflicted on me, that I couldn't talk to God about it. I couldn't seek forgiveness. I couldn't seek help because I was wrong. You can talk to God about anything and everything, and you should. It's not just about a one-way conversation either. God will speak back to you. Whether you're someone who's trying to ensure that the people in your household are safe or whether you're someone who was like me who was abused. You can talk to God about it, y'all. 
don't let Satan silence you. And don't let anybody else silence you. We have a God who is acquainted with our temptations. He knows, y'all. And here's the beautiful thing. Not only can you be honest with God, but you can receive mercy from him too. And y'all, this is what the Bible says in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. You can turn here if you like. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Some versions it says, approaching his throne boldly, which I like that word. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is for the believer, y'all. This is a benefit that we have. A God who's acquainted with us, who knows us, who knows what it's like to be tempted to sin. And we can talk to him. We can approach his throne of grace boldly, with confidence. I don't have to be afraid to go to a God who loves me. And it's hard sometimes, right? Because some of us have earthly fathers and that whole God the Father thing, it don't really seem right to us. Because maybe we have a father like David who was furious but did nothing. Maybe we associate God, right, because we refer to him as a he. And maybe we were abused by a he. So we ain't really trying to mess with God like that. I'm telling you, you can take even those feelings to God. He can handle your emotions. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, all of it. And he welcomes you. Some of us grew up under teaching that says, don't question God. I don't believe that. Plenty of folks ask questions in the Bible. Plenty of folks ask questions. They had issues with God. They had doubts, all of that. And they still ask them questions. You can feel free to ask God questions. You can feel free to take your troubles to God. Even when you're mad at him. I'm telling you what I know, y'all. I've been mad at God too. I felt like he was unjust. And I felt like he was wrong for letting me experience some of the hardships that I've experienced. This is real life. This ain't no Sunday go to meeting, none of that. This is real life. And when we're talking about practically applying the word of God, this is how we do it. And I'm saying this to y'all, and I know it's heavy, y'all. But I'm saying it because it's not said enough. So many of us are struggling We've been victimized by several things. It's caused us to abuse drugs. It's caused us to forsake people and not trust them. It's caused us to be promiscuous. It's caused us to be numb and calloused in our emotions. 
Let's be real. It ain't easy living in the U.S. It ain't easy living in the world, no matter what country you're in. It's not easy living in the world. It's evil here. It's wicked here. And then we, the people of God, are expected to trust God with everything. Everything. We, the people of God, are expected to preach Jesus to people who are brokenhearted when we ourselves haven't received healing or deliverance. And I'm telling you, even if you ain't been fully healed yet, I promise you, God can still use you for his glory. He can. He can. And there are a lot of churches, when they find out certain things about certain sins, they'll sit you down. You can't minister, you can't talk to folks, you can't do this, you can't do that. You got to go in front of the church and be public about your personal business. Not so that you can receive help from the saints. It makes me upset. But I'm telling you, God welcomes you at whatever state you're in. He welcomes you. And you can talk to him. You can get mercy and grace. But you got to talk to him. And I don't want you to be forsaken. I mean, not forsaken. I don't want you to be misled thinking that you can't talk to God because of what's happened to you or because of the things that you've done as a result. God is here for us. Let's always remember that. And here's one thing, y'all. You can find help in God's word and in people. Even people who are not God's people, right? There are organizations dedicated to helping people who are struggling with things. SA is one of them. There's definitely a national hotline, all of those fun things. Um, national, I'll, I'll throw this out there for those of y'all who want it, who may not ask. But the National Sexual Assault Hotline number is 800-656-HOPE. Hmm. 800-656-HOPE. Even the national organization that is committed to helping those who have been victims of SA say that there's hope. And we can believe that. Even if you don't believe it, I'm telling you, there's hope. I know from experience. I'm not just telling you what I heard. There's hope. And here's something that I want to admonish us all with, those of us who have been assaulted and those of us who are helping those who have been assaulted. Let's turn to Romans 15, y'all. Romans 15, and we'll read chapters 1 through 7 together. This is important because I want us to grow as a people. I really want us to grow as a people. God has our back. He welcomes us all in whatsoever state we are in. So we, as the body of Christ, should also be doing the same. 
Because sometimes when certain people come in looking a certain way that you don't think they should look, or having a certain identity that you don't think they should have, sometimes we, the people of God, can shun them. And sometimes we do it in the name of Jesus. Sometimes we do it saying that we're holding up the bloodstained banner. But the Bible is very clear about judgment, is it not? Judge not lest ye be judged. Judge not for fear that you yourself may be judged. None of us came in with a clean slate. We were all born in sin, shaped in iniquity, doomed for hell, eternal separation from God. All of us. All of us. So how do we work this thing out together as the people of God? Romans 15 gives us a little help. Paul is teaching, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves, each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Y'all hear that? Y'all know what that means. We should be doing things for other people's good, not so that we can appear righteous. Not so that we can appear holier than others or more superior than others. Because y'all know how it is. Y'all have been to some other churches before or encountered people who are Christians who look down on you. I've been there. I've, I've been looked down on and did, done some looking down upon others. Been there, done it. Ashamed, but forgiven, okay? So let's help each other. This is, how we, this is how we help each other, by reading what the Word of God says and applying it to our regular lives, right? So, each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. That's what Jesus said, y'all. He took on all of those insults that people might hurl at you. He took them on himself. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. 800-656, hope. It's a beautiful thing to see here that everything that was written in Scripture was written to teach us. Tamar's story was written to teach us. We take lessons from that. Someone's been abused in your family or in your friendship circle, even a colleague, don't silence them. Don't be furious and take no action, people of God. Being furious about something might make somebody feel good in the moment, but if you ain't gonna help them do nothing, y'all, come on, what are we really doing? 
We got to help each other. Everything was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, Tamar endured, y'all. We don't read much more about her after that. But she didn't commit suicide, we know that. You know, she at least lived. And although it was a desolate life, she endured. That's what I'm led to believe, that she endured. And we have things that will help us to endure through the things that are taught here in this book. A lot of endurance that you see even before you now has a lot to do with what God's word says. Not what I see. Because if I was only trusting in what I saw, you wouldn't see me up here. You might see me, but you wouldn't see me up here. I can guarantee you that. Certainly wouldn't see me up here. But we have endurance through God's word, what's been written, and it says the encouragement that they provide. Y'all, I've been so encouraged by God's word, and that's where hope comes from. It's where it comes from. I don't know God for real, for real, outside of his word. We have a relationship, but I know more about him because of what I've read. Because of what I've read, that's where my hope comes from. And some of you might be a little anti-Bible. You might only read it or listen to it when you're in a church, but I encourage you, read the scriptures for yourself. Even if it's just one verse a day, you're going to get caught up, I tell you. You probably won't be able to just read one verse a day. <laughs> it might be more. But even if it's not more, get some encouragement from the Lord. He's given it freely. There's a Bible everywhere. And if you don't have access to a Bible, we got some. We can get you one. Just ask. Let us know. But there's even the internet. There's digital Bibles everywhere. You can read it. Find encouragement. Find the strength to endure for yourself. Then verse 5 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, when we unite and have the same mind that Christ had, he gets glory. When we apply what his word says, when we take that in, he gets glory. When we do things to help one another, he gets glory. This is freedom, y'all. Christ has offered freedom to you. And it's free. That's the part I like about it. I didn't have to pay for any of this. I didn't have to pay financially. I didn't have to pay by doing a whole lot of good stuff to overcome the bad stuff I've done. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because it would have been impossible. And y'all, even when it comes to like the law, the Ten Commandments, 
Jesus died because we couldn't even keep 10 commandments. I dare you to try to keep all 10 commandments for a week. Let me see if you can do it. If you can, come back. I, I ain't going to put no money on it, but I'm just saying. It's rough. But if you can do it, please let me shake your hand, okay? Eat, you know, reach out for real. But following all 10 commandments is practically impossible. Jesus died so we wouldn't have to worry about it, y'all. When God looks at us, he sees the blood of his son. And it cost him something, but it was free to us. Let's take advantage of the free stuff. I know you, I know you do in real life. Who in here has never taken something that was free? Anybody. Nobody online, I'm sure, either. We like free stuff. And here is the salvation of your soul being given to you for free. Because if you can't keep those Ten Commandments on a consistent basis, if you haven't done it from birth to death, then you have no other way to, to eternal communion with God aside from His Son, Jesus Christ. And there's beauty in that. There's beauty in knowing Jesus, y'all. It means that we get to live forever with new bodies that haven't been abused or taken advantage of. This one is going to pass away. One day. But those of us who believe in Jesus Christ don't really have to worry about this going to the ground or anything else. We have eternity with Jesus to look forward to. It's free. And so are you. You are free, my brother, my sister. Free. Liberated. There's beauty in knowing Jesus. And so for those of you who don't know him, this is an opportunity for you to get to know him. This is an opportunity for you to say to Jesus, I accept who you are. I accept the gift that you gave through your shed blood on the cross for me. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life in Jesus' name. Congratulations, wherever you are, that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers, your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer, and let's change the world.
If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT or please visit us on our website, citadeloffaith.org. That's simply spelled C-I-T-A-D-E-L of faith. Dot org, all one word. We would love to hear your testimonies. We would love to hear your prayer requests. Know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone. Let's change the world together, one person at a time.